Sports Ethos New York Nick Podcast, Andre Gallagher. Now, that Pacer game, I said it at the time to a few people. If they lost to the Lakers, it'd be like that special game didn't happen. But that was before I knew OG wasn't coming back. I mean, who knew OG was going to be out forever with whatever is going on with his elbow? It's starting to be a concern. And I just finished watching um, Knicks Fan TV with CP the Franchise. And he suggested he suggested that maybe the Knicks are going to hold him out until, until uh, the All-Star break. Just to play it safe. And I I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get that thinking. If that's their thinking, now, I don't want to make the mistake of taking a fan or a commentator's opinion and, and uh, putting it on the Knicks. You know, I don't want to make that mistake. But they can't get away with not playing OG into the All-Star break. The standings are too important. I don't think people are taking these standings, giving them their necessary importance and gravitas. I don't think they're doing it. It's vital. But back to the games, I I said that they lost to the Lakers. It would be like, you know, undoing the Pacer game. But I said that before knowing OG was, was out for the Lakers. And that's just not, that's not fair. And, and, and anybody who is critiquing the Knicks' performance against the Lakers in any serious way outside of, you know, maybe stating the obvious, like Josh Hart didn't play well and, you know, his shooting struggles are going to cost the Knicks down the line. McBride is not going to create a whole lot of offense for you. Anything outside of, you know, the obvious thing that we've seen a thousand times, I'm using it as a litmus test for who not to pay attention to, who to unfollow, who did, who did not respond to because they're not real. They're not for real. The Pacer game was a special game for several reasons. It was a special game because of the Pacers are a rival in the standings. It was a special game because Halliburton is still being petty about Zerbiak's comments last year. He had all opportunity in the world to get Wally back last year, but he didn't. Brunson torched him. And then the Knicks, the Knicks played the Pacers after the RJ IQ trade where they're decimated, the Pacers end up winning the game, running away, and now he got heat for Wally Zerbiak a whole year later. That's some soft business, boy. Wally Zerbiak apologized to this dude a thousand times, talked to the dude's father before the game, apologized to his father, made peace with his pops, and he still got heat for Wally Zerbiak and waited, waited until he had a good game after swinging and missing at least twice last year. That's so late. Goes chest to chest. With Dante on that weak dunk he threw down. Like, come on, man. This dude wants to put on a show. He wants to put on a show so bad he's not playing. Like, to me, that's not him. That's not who he is. Like, he's kind of trying to be something he's not. He's trying to be this tough, trash-talking guy, swaggy dude. He's trying to be that dude, and he's not really that dude. And nobody's believing it. Halliburton's a great, great player, but he got to cut out this act. It's annoying to watch. Leave Wally Zerbeck alone. He gave you heat last year. He apologized. He said sorry. You had all last year to circle the block on the Knicks and prove him wrong, and you missed it. Now you back this year. Now how, many, how many games you got to play before you have a good game? 
two, three games, and then finally you got something to say? Jalen Brunson torched Halliburton last year. Torched. Torched him. But that was a special game at the Garden. And with OG not playing against the Lakers, and shout out to my wife, I got a chance to go to that game, see LeBron James for the first time. But to, to have to have that special game at the Garden, it was special for several reasons. You know, I mentioned Halliburton. I mentioned the standings. You got Obi Toppin coming back and wanting to give the Knicks a business. You got the Knicks being shorthanded. You got Brunson being named an all-star for the first time. It was an emotional ovation for him when uh, the game started. At five minutes left in that game, I went and got my older son and told him to sit down and watch. He's about to see something special. I didn't know if the Knicks were going to win. I didn't know if they were going to pull it out. I just knew that if they won that game, it was going to be a special moment. Now, of course, he sat there on his phone the whole time. They paid attention, but that's the other hand on that. If you're a Knicks fan, you've been around for a while, you knew that that was about to be a special moment if the Knicks won that game because of how hard they had to play, because of the, the day it was for Brunson, and to see him be emotional in the interview after the game, if it didn't touch you, you don't have a heart. You don't have a heart. You're not really a fan, you don't have a heart. It had to touch you. And to have him acknowledge the fans, knowing the fans have had his back all this time, have fought for him all this time, for him to know it and acknowledge it, it meant something. It meant something. It didn't mean anything to me personally, but it should, it should mean something to you as a Knicks fan, watching him acknowledge you and everything that you have done, at least the the Nick fans on Twitter who have who have fought long and hard for his recognition for two years now, in the face of a whole lot of nonsense, and he recognized it, and people had nothing to say about Nick fans until they wanted to blame Nick fans for him not being voted, getting the, enough votes for the All Star game, and it, it defies reason to think that Nick fans didn't vote for him enough. When you see the players that did get votes, like Trey Young, you think the Atlanta Hawks fan base is bigger than New York's? Really? Really? You think the Miami Heat's fan base is bigger than New York's? Huh? You think so? How about Milwaukee? You think Milwaukee's fan base is bigger than New York's? No, no, but the players, their fan bases are international. They have fans. I can't tell you how many posts I've seen about Trey Young getting snubbed in the All-Star game. Let me tell you guys something. When you're shooting 42% from the field and your game and your team is under 500, you don't make All-Star games. That's not how any of that works. You guys keep posting his 29 points per game. It doesn't matter how many points per game you're scoring if you're shooting 42%. It does not matter. Do you understand that? And don't tell me about Allen Iverson because I'm the wrong person. I'm the wrong person to tell about Allen Iverson. I, at the time, I was like, Allen Iverson is not shooting very well. <laughs> y'all, y'all really impressed with these 30-point games. But he's shooting 40%. Can we, can we chill a little bit? Allen Iverson was an amazing player, man. He really was. At his size with his ability and skill set. And the same can be said for Trey Young. He's not Allen Iverson, but the same can be said for Trey Young. He is an amazing skill set, an amazing passer, but he's not as good as you want him to be. You, you're looking at the highlights and you're saying, look how great he is. You're looking at 29 points per game. 
You understand that Jalen Brunson is averaging, I think, what, 25, 26 points per game, somewhere around there, and he's shooting almost 50% from the field. You understand that? If he if he decided to take a hit in his efficiency and instead shot like 45% from the field, he could average 29 points per game too, and he would still be better than Trey Young, who's at 42%. And that can be said about a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys right now who are averaging around 25 points per game who are shooting very well from the field. And if they wanted to average 29, they could and just lose a little bit of that efficiency. uh, A mathematician might tell you that they wouldn't lose efficiency at all, but that's that's just not real life. So it's not impressive to average 29 points per game on 42% shooting. It's not. It's just not impressive. And you try, oh, he shoots mostly threes. Yeah, and he's shooting average from the three-point line. He's shooting around 37% last I checked from the three-point line. That's average. It's not like he's shooting 40 45% from three. He's shooting average. And I've seen people compare him to Steph Curry. Steph Curry's not, listen, Steph Curry is one of the greatest players of all time. He's going to be on all sorts. All right? Steph Curry's having a bad season. He'll tell you that. Now you're comparing his season to Steph Curry. Steph Curry's having a bad season. So what are you you comparing? But you see Trey Young got a zillion votes. You saw Dane Lillard got a zillion votes. That's because these guys have fan bases. They have fan bases all around the world. I got a chance to go to Australia. I'm in Australia. I go to an NBA store. There's like four total of four or five Nick items in the whole store. In the whole store. They got Charlotte Hornet jerseys, for God's sake. But you can't find nothing from the Knicks. I asked the guy in the store. He said, no, nah, we don't carry that. Nobody's getting Knicks stuff. The Knicks don't have an uh, international fan base. They, barely, they don't have a national fan base. What they have is they have a bunch of Knicks fans that are spread out around the country. So when they go to certain arenas, you're going to see a lot of Knicks fans. But they don't have Knicks fans all over the world. They don't have Knicks fans in large numbers watching the Knicks in Phoenix, <laughs> Re- you know, rooting for the Knicks in Phoenix. They don't have that. Most NBA fans, unfortunately, and you can tell that by their takes, most NBA fans are fans of players. They're fans of players. They'll say they're playing a fan of a team, but they're really fans of players. Otherwise, why is Trey Young getting so many votes? The Atlanta can barely fill, fill their arena. So the fact that Jalen Brunson understood because he has a social media presence, the fact that he understood that the fans had his back and he appreciated the fans for having his back and he got emotional in that post game talking about it and he said it and I've seen him interview on several other occasions. He's given the fans a ton of credit. It means something. He understands that he's their hero. He understands it and he welcomes that pressure and he's trying to perform for them. And the Nick players, other Nick players, they're out there grinding, busting their ass. Precious Achua busted his ass in that game, in the Pacer game. He damn near played the whole game. I think he played the whole second half. Played great in that Pacer game. These guys are out there busting their ass for this team, for this organization, for these fans. And the fans are appreciating it. And that was a culmination of all of that in that Pacer game. It was a huge win. But once you saw that OG wasn't playing in this game and Grimes wasn't playing in this game, You had to know that they were going to lose. You had to. I predicted the Knicks were going to lose this game just off the fact that they beat the Lakers earlier in the season and it was a nationally televised game and LeBron was going to try to show out. 
you know, that to me, that was enough. No Julius Randle, obviously. When I when I made that prediction, Julius Randle wasn't was already hurt, not OG. Hey, I knew that right off the bat. I predicted that loss. So after the Pacer game and after hearing OG's not gonna play, and that's a tough game to win. And now you guys are sitting around, some of you guys are sitting around trying to make schematic uh critiques. Oh, this is why they gotta have such and such. This is why you can't play this guy. Oh, the Knicks are not going to win. All you got to do is double-team Jalen Brunson. Can You guys can't be for real. You can't be for real. You really can't. Like, I, I just, I don't know if some of you guys are just looking for attention or what. Like, you can't be for real. This was, the Knicks cannot, they, if they lost this game, and I've seen, you know, Laker fans, fans are going to be fans. I've seen Laker fans talk about how big this win was for them. You know, oh, we didn't have Cam Reddish. Shut up, man. Shut up. Shut up, please. You know, you had to win this game. You won it. Good for you. Move on with your life. You know the Knicks won in, in LA earlier in the year when they had when they had Julius Randle playing. Can we not do this? No OG. Can we not do this? You won the game. Good for you. They had to get that win. This was gonna be a tough win for the Knicks. There are things they could have done differently, sure. But when you're down when you're down this many players, what you know, it's all hands on deck. The one thing I would say though is then I'm afraid of Tibbs playing Josh Hart when Josh Hart has games like this. When jo- Josh Hart is a plus player, understand that Josh Hart, Josh Hart is like fourth on the team in plus minus. Josh Hart does not hurt the team that much, but when Josh Hart does hurt the team, it's when he can't create offense in transition and when he's having a hard time creating offense when the ball is swung to him in the half court. If he can't do those two things, he has a hard time being a plus player. When he can't be a plus defender, he has a hard time being a plus player. And when those situations occur, you need to have someone else to put in the game. In a lot of cases, uh, especially after the trade, that's Quentin Grimes. That's Dante DiVincenzo. But that's not the case with these injuries. So they really don't have someone to put in the game that can give you a lot of what Josh Hart does, but with the shooting. Because Grimes is sometimes anyway. But if Grimes plays, you can at least throw Grimes in there and get something with what Grimes does well. And he's a good defender. Right? When Dante, obviously, you put him in there and say, do what Dante does well. Or do a lot of what Dante does well. But Josh, excellent rebounder, excellent transition player. He's the only offensive creator in the second unit. And he's the only offensive creator, really, with no Randall on the floor. And no OG. Dante can do it a little bit, but Dante has his limitations as well. So the Knicks really need that guy who can, if one of those three guys goes down on the bench, like obviously if you lose your starters, if you lose Randall, OG, Jalen, you're in trouble. But the Knicks are also in trouble if they lose Devo, Grimes, or Hart. And obviously Grimes is down right now. They're in trouble because things that those guys do, even though you know, that none of them are perfect, and Grimes is, you know, he's had his ups and downs. They they can't be replaced by anyone on the team. You can't replace what Hart does. You can't. It's, hard. It's, it's almost impossible right now to replace what Hart does. He creates a lot of offense in transition. He, he crashes the boards. He plays great defense. He's versatile defender. There's nobody but Grimes who can do that, and Grimes can't do the other things that Josh Hart does. 
and then you have nobody, and then that means you got to play Devo a, z- a zillion minutes because there's nobody to do what Devo does. So the Knicks need desperately need, and this is not breaking new ground, and the Lakers game did not bring this to light really. You know, it just happened, it happened again, and it's going to happen more without OG and Randall. That's why them not coming back. It really makes this next move the Knicks make even more important because if OG is going to be held out until after the All-Star break, the Knicks need these games. They need to win. They played Memphis tonight. Listen, Memphis is a skeleton crew themselves, but they, they can beat people. And they almost beat the Knicks when they played them last time. And the fact that they did play them last time, you know, it, it gives Memphis a little bit of ammo for how to attack them and what they need to do. The Knicks have to win this game, and they're back on Skeleton Crew status if OG's not going to play. And they have, they need these wins, because let me tell you, with Philadelphia losing Embiid, and we talked about this before, he's an injury-prone player. The idea that Philadelphia was untouchable in that third seed was always a joke. You don't root for anybody's injuries. I didn't root for his injuries, but it was easy to predict that he was going to have something to slow him down, on top of the fact that Philly did not play a necessarily all that tough a schedule. They're not a... They're not an unbeatable team on, on paper. The idea that they had that third seed locked up was always a fantasy. They were always they were always a mark, right, to me. Now the MB goes down, unfortunate for them. It doesn't mean they're going to fall all the way off the cliff because they have some solid, solid players, and other guys will step up, and they might be able to beat people just off coaching and defense, right? Just like the Knicks have been doing without OG and Randall. But they, they they probably can't win at the same pace, especially with their schedule being a little bit tougher. That third seed is up for grabs for right now the Cavs and the Knicks. And the Knicks got to keep pace for as long as they can without Julius out. They can't. The Laker game, you can have it. You can't give up Memphis. You got you to gotta finish this homestand with no more than two losses. But you really want to keep it at one. There's no reason... You you got you got to try to keep it at one because this is where the Knicks make up for all the back to backs, all the road games that they play the first half of the season that nobody seemed to pay attention to when they were looking at the Knicks' record against above 500 teams. They weren't looking at all of the road games that the Knicks played. The Knicks are making up for the fact that they were playing on the road the whole first half of the season, and, and most people were playing at home. That's why they have this long homestand. They got to make good on this homestand. Losing to the Lakers is fine. Taking one loss in his homestand is fine. You can't you can't lose in Memphis. You can't lose anybody. I don't care what the situation is. But the Knicks do need help, especially if OG is not going to be here until All Star break. Again, speculation on CP's CP's part, but the Knicks need help. And the Knicks aren't the ones who are waiting. By the way, they're not the ones sitting around not trying to make a trade. Teams are trying to hold out and get as much as they can. But it's very important that the Knicks make the moves that is right for them. And all of this Bruce Brown talk, I, I like that we talked about it. Bruce Brown does a lot of what Josh Hart does. And I understand if Josh Hart goes down, he's a good replacement for him. But you can't play him if Josh Hart is there because you see, you can't have, you saw it in the Laker game. You had Precious out there. You had Josh Hart out there. Two guys who couldn't hit an outside shot. Yeah, two guys who couldn't hit an outside shot and it kills you. You can't have Bruce Brown and Josh Hart out there at the same time in the playoffs. Seems like it's going to leave them open. What's the... It, it's what's the point? Like, I understand why you want him, but hey, stop. He, you know, you need people who can hit the shot, man. It's one thing to have Hart out there struggling 
I'm afraid that Tibbs is going to be addicted to Harden and take him out and replace him with somebody if he's not playing well and he can't be a plus player. I'm afraid of that. I'm less afraid of that if they actually have the guy to put in that, that, can, that can do the job. And Bruce Brown is not that guy. <laughs> oh, Josh Hart don't got it. Let me put Bruce Brown in. What? No. I saw today that the Knicks might, there's rumors from Mike Scott reported that the, the, the Knicks might be interested in Isaac Okoro. I like Isaac Okoro. But Isaac Okoro, and he's actually a better shooter than people think he is on very low volume. He's a better shooter than people think he is. He's shooting around 37%. In the last two years prior, he was at like 36, 35%, which is floating, floating around league average a little bit below, like by a, a tick. But it's a low volume. And he, you know, I think he's improving in my mind, but there's no statistical evidence of it. Uh, I, I, I don't, I see why, you, you know, I see what Okoro does. I think Okoro is a good defender, is a nice strong defender. I understand what the, what the interest would be. But one, who are you trading to bring in Isaac Okoro? Two, whose position is he taking in the rotation? Are you moving Grimes? You're not sending Grimes to the Cavs to get Isaac Okoro. You're not dumb. So are you adding him to the rotation? Like, what? whose minutes are he taking? You just want him on the bench just in case something happens? Okay, cool. I can see that. But you're not, like, what? Isaac Okoro is, is a guy who's going to get left open, too. That's two guys that Knicks are strongly associated with in these trade rumors that cannot shoot the ball at, at a rate, at a rate that, that other teams fear. Right? And you can't have that with Josh Hart. You need a Josh Hart alternative that can make shots. Right? I told you who I was high on. I'm high on Brogdon. He's an injury risk. But I'm high on Brogdon. I'm not going to get into DeRozan again. Complicated. I'm not going to get into Murray again. Complicated. Uh, Alec Burks, also a good option. I know some of you are just stupid when it comes to Alec Burks. But he's very functional out there. You can do a lot of what those guys do. You need somebody who can do what all of those guys do. All those guys are good players. They do. They have different, slightly different skill sets. So you need a guy who can replace each and every one of them and what they can do. Grimes and, and to a lesser extent, DiVincenzo, not only can they shoot it, but in, in the right circumstance, they can get to the front of the rim. The right circumstance. Transition mostly, right? Alec Burks can do that. Right, Brogdon can, can uh, create his own shot a little bit more than all of them. All right, Brogdon can get to the front of the rim in a myriad of ways. He probably does it better than both of them do it. Now, Alex, Alec is not a great rebounder, but he's a solid rebounder. Not as good as Hart, but he's a solid rebounder. He's a solid defender, versatile defender. He can hit the outside shot. He can create offense for people. He can do a lot of what Josh Hart does uh, in, in terms of offensive creation with the added benefit of having a, a decent shot. Right, so he replaces all of what those guys can bring. So if one of those guys is off or missing, you can just plug out into that spot, and he's going to give you what you need. You can't do that with Bruce Brown. You can't do that with Okoro. So it's very important that you bring in a guy who can replace those three dudes if necessary, because unfortunately, with the way the Knicks are structured right now, you can have OG, Randall, and Brunson, but not have DiVincenzo, not have or Hart or Grimes and be struggling. And be struggling. Grimes to a lesser extent, but you, you can't have that. That's not going to... 
You need to improve that. You need to. And again, I don't want to sound too whiny about it because I think that they're trying to, but I'm afraid that they're going to make the wrong move here. I really am. I don't know. I don't understand the Bruce Brown rumors. I don't understand the Okoro rumors. You know, some of the other guys, obviously, you can see what the appeal is. Even Tyus Jones, who's an excellent point guard, uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't know how expensive he's going to be to get. Obviously, your second unit, you know, gets a big boost when he's out there. But he doesn't solve everybody's problem. Like he doesn't he doesn't replace DiVincenzo if Devo is not on or he's out. He doesn't replace Grimes if he's not on and he's out. He doesn't replace Hart if he's not on and he's out. He's just a nice backup point guard. And there's nothing wrong with it. But that's not the move. That's not gonna that's not gonna save you. It's Tyus Jones. It's not gonna that saves you if Brunson gets hurt to in some degree if you've got some of the other parts. You know, you can you know, you don't have anybody, but you want to get a guy that can step in if Brunson can't play, but can also play alongside him if he can too. You, that's why listen, there's only Brogdon is a clutch client. You saw that clutch NCAA, Leon Rose. I shouldn't say CAA, but Leon Rose, who used to work for CAA and is very closely tied to CAA, they all had a sit down because apparently Rich Paul said he didn't want his clients to do business with the Knicks because the Knicks favor CAA clients, which is stupid. It's actually malpractice if you ask me if that's something you really truly believe. But there's more rumors to suggest that the history between Rich Paul and Leon Rose going back to the CAA days, that's where Rich Paul started and LeBron James was represented by Leon Rose, that maybe there was some bad blood going back to those times. So that's more likely to me. But they had to sit down, hash some things out. Now, the timing of this sit down is very interesting. A lot of people tie it to LeBron James. I don't feed into LeBron James rumors. LeBron James spent the whole weekend trolling the media and trolling the Knicks and trying to get the impression that he might come here because LeBron is a, a dick. I don't know why he does what he does, but he's a prick. He didn't want to explain the tweet. He put the Statue of Liberty in his tweet and bad they asked. He said, no, we don't know. He had no explanation for it. He didn't want to say nothing. That's cryptic. He had the Nick towel around his shoulders when he did the post-game interview. He was wearing blue and orange sneakers and a blue hat when he came. Like, come on, man. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. And I don't know why he's doing it. Just to play games with the media, play games with the fans or whatever, man. It's not a big deal. It's all fun and games to you. No problem. But I'm not putting any energy into the idea that LeBron James is coming to the Knicks. I'm not putting any energy into it. But... There's some other clutch clients out there like DeJounte Murray and Brogdon who you have to assume based on available information that this might be this might be a thing. This because Brogdon, I think it was uh Ian Begley that was reporting that there was no really there was no real traction in Brogdon uh conversations. So Brogdon was out there being rumored to the Knicks, but there was no real traction as far as his reporting suggested that that was a thing. So, and Brogdon is like the perfect, I told you the perfect one is the worst, but Brogdon is like, you know, the easiest move for the Knicks to make to solve a lot of their problems. So the idea that they wouldn't even be talking to him, this sounded really weird to me. Hey, Brogdon doesn't want to come to New York or is that a clutch thing? DeJounte is trying to get to LA, you know the game there. LA is 
LA is not trying to give Atlanta everything they're looking for. The Knicks are closer to being able to give Atlanta what they're looking for. They always were. Uh, so maybe logic would suggest there's something there. Of the rumored of the rumored players that the Knicks were interested in for clutch clients, the timing of this meeting being right before the deadline, they hashed things out. They said they came to a, a, an accord, an agreement. It suggests there might be something there. There's a lot of speculation going on right now. I'm just saying. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of smoke there. But to me, that move has to be made. I'm not, I'm not saying the Jante move has to be made. I'm just saying whether it's Brogdon, whether it's DeJounte, whether it's DeRozan, or even an Alec Burks. To me, those four options are the best options available for the Knicks and of, of the players available that we know of. And the move has to be made. It has to be made sooner than later. They got this game tonight. I think the next game is the eighth. Right? So that's Dallas. Maybe OG is back for that game. Who knows? So basically, two games before the deadline. Right? have to do it they have to make the move they can't because i've definitely seen some talk oh the Knicks can just wait till the summer and get the player they're looking for the player they're looking for is going to be they think they're going he's going to be available in the summer you just need the flexibility to go get that player you can't just you can't waste opportunities every season things change players move around the road gets harder you know you start to lose your depth Depth because you have to pay guys. Harden signs a free agent. Take advantage of the opportunities in front of you. You don't want to stay in the four or five C. You don't definitely don't want to be lower than that. So you don't want to lose ground in this little stretch of time before Julius Randle comes back. You don't want to lose ground, especially if OG's not coming back. I think they can they can stave a lot of these teams off if OG comes back. But they can't be without both. Especially if they don't make a move. If they make a move, maybe. The right move, maybe. Because Precious is playing good defense. You got Jericho Sims. I think he could play a little bit more. You know, if you make the right move, one of the players I just mentioned, you can, you can, some of these down periods or where Jalen's getting double teamed or he's getting tired, one of these guys can step up and make plays and, and, and get you through it if you don't have any more injuries. But you can't. You can't just piss these games away until the All-Star break. And then come back after and think you can put it all back together with a out of shape Julius Randle. The four five matchup is designed to be an even matchup in the playoff season. Right? Those two teams are even. You don't want to play in the first round a team that's even with you. That's a disappointment for both of those teams. Maybe if there's a team that fought there, if there's the Pacers that made it to the fifth seed, it'd be a, a, fine. You guys made it to the first round of playoffs are happy. Congratulations. Maybe the maybe the Pacers would be happy to get to the fifth seed and lose in the first round. Maybe Philadelphia without Embiid. But all of these teams, Philadelphia was at the third seed, man. They gonna be they got veteran players on that team. Veteran defensive players. They can be fighting and scrapping to get out of that round. They wanna see this series is beatable. Pacers are young. They haven't been there before. They might be just happy to be there. They got a lot of holes in, in what they do. Miami, you know who Miami is. They're getting that fifth. They, first of all, that's a victory if they get to the fifth seed. 
And I'm all for it in the Knicks playing Miami again. I, I'd rather not play them in a fucking first round. <laughs> like, you don't want that. Get yourself to the two or three seed. And you're going to have to contend with the Bucks, obviously, and the Cavs, obviously. If you, if of those three teams, if you end up finishing fourth because you didn't trade for the right player at this deadline, and you didn't take these games before the, the All Star break seriously, so you missed the third, the three seed by two games, or you missed the two seed by two, three games. While Milwaukee's trying to figure themselves out, Milwaukee got a. Milwaukee's been skating through with a cupcake schedule up until now. They're about to pay the piper. They got a, they fired their coach, got a new coach. They're out there struggling. They're like one in two. They one in two, one in three since Doc took over. I don't blame Doc. Doc just got there. You know, you guys are already trying to blame Doc. <laughs> he just got there. What do you think he? Has, how many practices do you think he's had so far? Right now, he did screw up at the end of that Portland game, but whatever. I'll tell you about the end of that Portland game. He sat there with his old ass assistant coaches one of which was used to coach the Memphis Grizzlies and sat there and devised a strategy before he huddled up with his team. So I'm blaming Doc and I'm blaming every other coach on that <laughs> on that bench. You all screwed that up. All of you. I don't know what you were thinking, but whatever. Right? Doc is not necessarily the best X's and O's coaches out, coach out there and he's taking plenty of criticism, but I don't think he's that stupid. But apparently he is. But I'm not going to sit here and predict that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to fall all the way to the fourth seed because Doc Rivers is the coach now. That, to me, sounds silly. But the Knicks are close enough to make their lives difficult along with the Cavs for the rest of the season. It could it could happen just because their, their schedule is, is evening out. And the Knicks' schedule is evening out. That's two seed, that three seed, it could be gotten. And I'm not saying if you get to the three seed and you got to play the Pacers, you still might have to play the same type of teams. You know, right? But whoever falls, I just, I just believe if you're in that four or five matchup, you're almost guaranteed to be playing somebody who's more than capable to beat you. Make sure anybody can beat anybody, but if you get to the three seed, it's less so. And in that three seed, you're not playing the one seed in the second round when you come out of it. That's the other thing about it. Because I think the three seed is maybe a hair better than the fourth seed in terms of who you're going to play because those seeds might be grouped up. But you, there's a scenario where you might be playing the Orlando Magic in the first round. Well, I think the Knicks beat the Orlando Magic. I just think, I think they do. I don't con- I'm not concerned. There's heat between Knicks and Pacers. There's, no pun intended, heat between Miami and New York. Orlando is at upstarts. They're trying their best. I think the Knicks beat them. If the Knicks make it to the three seed, that means they play consistently throughout the season. That means they played at a pretty high level. And if you played at that level to get to the three seed, whoever that six seed team is, they're not as good as you, period. They're not as good as you, and you should beat them. You should be the favorites, and you should beat them. I don't think that's true in a four or five. That whoever you're playing, you're just as good. Now, of course, this goes out the window of the difference between the three seed and the six seed is like one or two games. But the reality is it's probably going to be closer to four or five. You're better than that team. You should beat them, period. And if you get to the two seed, even better. Because now you're talking about playing teams. Teams out there scrapping just to get into the playoffs. You're better. You need to beat them, period. You've been more consistent throughout the regular season than they have. 
You have been a better team throughout the regular season than they have. Clear cut. You're the favorite. You should win the series. 4-5, that's not the case. Get out of that 4-5. And this trade deadline is going to help you do it. At Sports Ethos on Twitter. At Ethos Knicks. Until next time. <laughs> Thank you.